Hey folks, welcome back to Patriot to the Core Podcast. I am Thad Forster. Appreciate you listening again this week. Uh, our guest is Mr. Terry Daly. He is a Vietnam veteran, and we're going to talk about an organization that he started called Par Project Patriot Bikes. And before we get to that, I just want to give a shout out to Sheepdog Firearms. Uh, Sheepdog is a new indoor firing range in Trustville, Alabama, and they have been very supportive to me and also to the Mark Forster Foundation and allowed me to do this interview. This is my first interview uh, with Terry that I've done in person, and there's probably going to be a few more of those to come. And so appreciate their support. They're very knowledgeable, very nice folks. I encourage you to go visit them if you're ever in the trustful Alabama area. I also want to remind you that we are on Patreon. Uh, Patreon is just a way where uh, you, you can support people like me who provide content that you hopefully like. So it's it's an opportunity to pay very low, you know, there's $2, $5, $10 a month, just small plans like that. And you get something in return, whether it's the episodes of my podcast earlier or the opportunity to be a guest um, writer on the blog or, you know, to get a signed book. You know, they're just, just small, simple things that I can offer, but just to show some support to give a little more kind of insider information and access. So please go check it out. There is a link in the show notes, but it's it's patreon.com forward slash patriot to the core. So p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash patriot to the core. And that's real fine, my page. Uh, now with uh, Mr. Terry Daly. Uh, this guy, I'll just tell you, I, I read an article about him in our local paper several weeks ago, and they highlighted his organization. It's a nonprofit Project Patriot Bikes. Talked about him being a Vietnam vet and what he's doing now. And uh, really, uh, Project Patriot Bikes seeks to create motorcycles that inspire patriotism and are a tribute to the veterans of the U.S. military who have defended our country. Uh, its, its purpose is to reach out to groups and communities and individuals in an educational format. Uh, through the visual as- aspect of the bikes, uh, Project Patriot Bikes will raise public awareness of each branch of the military and install a renewed level of patriotism. He currently has two uh, beautiful Harleys that are, that are decorated. You'll see some pictures on my website. Um, his goal is to have one to represent each branch of the military. And that, that you know, takes money, of course. But he, he found out as he rode around town and went to some different events, a lot of people wanted to have their picture made with him and his bike, and, and people started opening up and talking to him. So that's kind of where he, why he started the organization. He's retired and uh, loves this country and uh, just wants to recognize the many heroes we have and have had who serve our country. And so uh, anyway, we have a great conversation. I hope you enjoy. And I hope that the background noise is not too distracting for you. We were at an indoor firing range, and you can hear the guns, but we did the best we could with the audio. So sit back and relax and listen. So we're sitting here at Sheepdog Firearms. This is my first face-to-face interview for Patriot to the Core. So thanks, Mr. Terry Daly, for joining us. My pleasure. I'm honored to be the first. And uh, Great, great. And uh, we're here in the lobby of Sheepdog, so I'm sure it's going to get loud and that's okay. They they have a business to run, and um, they're going to be there's some people firing not too far away from here in the indoor range. But so I'm looking at your two bikes that you've got. You've got a beautiful one outside the building and one inside Thank the you. building. Thank you. So what are what are those bikes for? Well, the bikes are part of, of course, Project Patriot bikes, uh, but they're part of a. Uh, veteran appreciation program that we do. 
they're they're to me what a what a canvas is to an artist. Uh, there's something to, to to be absorbed visually, but at the same time to open up avenues of conversation. Uh, it allows us to meet people uh, and and hear their stories, and it also allows uh, us to talk with people as we you know meet people in an effort to raise a le the level of patriotism that I feel like personally is lacking in this country. Mm -hmm. Not totally lacking. There's a lot of people that are very patriotic, but but I don't think. Patriotism is, well, I know it's not what it was when I was younger and everything. What about, there's a lot of different directions we can go here, so yeah. i, I got to make sure I don't forget, but you talk about the patriotism. What about when you returned home from, from, uh, from Vietnam? Mm -hmm. How were you received then, and how does patriotism compare now to what it was then? When you got home? I don't know if you got home in the mid-70s. No, I came home in, in, in December of 1968. Okay, you got home in 68. So. Yeah. Compare uh, the, the patriotism and the feeling in the country to what you experienced then to what you think it is now. It, it was, there, there was no patriotism per se. Uh, there was, but you just, you know, not in John Q. Public like, you, like maybe you have seen in the past. Uh, when I came home from Vietnam, uh, having served in Vietnam was not something that you, you really bragged on. I can honestly say I was never spit on or anything like that, but I do know people that it happened to. It's just that, that, that I was fortunate, you know, uh, I guess. But it was not something that you you went around and, and, and mentioned. In fact, I even uh, did a job interview one time where I, I failed to mention that I was had been to Vietnam. And consequently, I didn't get the job because I failed to mention that... I, I was in Vietnam. Oh, <laughs> you know, okay. uh, I didn't mention it because because it was it was frowned on at that time, and I always feel bad about not saying something about it because I don't know anybody that's ever served there that is uh, uh, ashamed of having served. You know, uh, everybody was like myself. We were young. Uh, uh, the, regardless of your political views, this country called on us just like they do now. Uh, to go in to serve in the military, and we went in the military, and uh, and we did what we were told to do. You know, were you drafted? Uh, no, I joined. Okay. In fact, uh, I went in when I was 17 years old, straight out of high school. Uh, I joined the first day of June of 1967. I was 17 years old, and uh, uh, mother and daddy had to sign for me to go, or daddy did. Uh, uh, and my dad was, my mother was totally against me going in. You know. Most mothers probably are. Uh, my dad, who was a World War II veteran, uh, kind of sat me down and had a little talk with me. And the, and the biggest thing he asked me, he said, son, do you know what you're doing? Of course, it's, you know, at 17, I knew everything. So, sure, I knew what I was doing. Of course. Yeah, I found out that, that maybe I didn't know exactly what I was doing. But he told me, he said, I'll sign if, you, if, if that's what you want. Uh, he says, but, you know, do you know what you're doing? Well, I didn't know. You know, I found out real quick and everything, but uh, uh, I was raised on John Wayne movies. Now, this is a little story I, I, I used to tell. I was raised on John Wayne movies. And, you know, according to John Wayne, you know, the, there's, war is, is you know, uh, uh, clearly divided between the good guy and the bad guy. 
you know, and, and, and in the long run, the good guy always wins, you know, so that's the way I race. Well, I found out uh, that uh, John Wayne kind of lied to me a little bit. <laughs> you know, I'm still a John Wayne fan, but I found out that that was my first taste of, of reality as opposed to fantasy. You know, John Wayne movies and, and, and any, any movies like that are, are fantasy. The reality is, is far different. And, and it's, I guess it's that way in most things. So what were you like? How had you changed from when you got home to when you left as a 17-year-old boy going to boot camp? You know, uh, correction. Uh, basic bo- training. Bo- boot camp is Navy. Basic training is Army. Gotcha. Good. Okay. Good. I knew there was a, there was a difference. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I picked the wrong one. Yeah, picked the wrong one. Anyhow, uh, you know, it's hard to say how I changed because how was I at 17? You know, I, I, was, I was a kid. You know, uh, when I came back, I wasn't a kid. I looked at the world altogether different and everything. And uh, uh, Vietnam and the Army itself is one of those situations where I used to say I wouldn't do it again for a million dollars, but I wouldn't take a million dollars for the experience. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, and in retrospect, you know, if it need be, I would would have done it again. Yes. But uh, uh, it's uh, it. You know, it, it it probably is a single, the one single episode of my life that that formed me into who I am. You know, uh, a very defining time, anyhow, and 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 good, bad, or otherwise. You know, it played a large part in me becoming the person that I am. You know. Okay, so you got home in '68. You went in in when did you say? In- I went in in June of '67. I spent Christmas of 67 in Vietnam. Okay. So I, you, you deployed once to Vietnam? Yeah. I went one time, and uh, uh, yeah, that was that was just pretty much enough for me. Okay. <clears throat> if they had sent me back, I would have gone back, you know. Uh, in fact, I would have stayed in the Army. Uh, and, and, of course, if I stayed in, I knew I was going back. Uh, when I got out, the Army had a... Um, a regulation that they could, when you come back uh, from Vietnam, you you could, they couldn't send you back for 14 months unless you volunteered. You know, if you volunteered, you'd go right back. But if you didn't volunteer, they couldn't send you back for 14 months. Well, when I got out of service, I, I had been back 14 months. So I knew if I re-enlisted, they were going to, you know, I was going back. Well, they had a policy at that time to where if you re-enlisted for six years, you could pick one year of duty station anywhere in the world you wanted to go. They would guarantee you that duty station for one year. Well, I was stationed at that time at Redstone Arsenal, and I wanted them to guarantee me I would stay at Redstone Arsenal for one more year, and uh, uh, and I would re-enlist. Well, they would guarantee you that one year, but they got to pick which year it was. Uh-huh. And at that time, I had married when I come back from Vietnam, and my wife was pregnant. And, and, and I was not going to go back to Vietnam while she was pregnant. So, I, you know, when they couldn't guarantee that I would stay at Redstone Arsenal, I, I chose to go ahead and get out and everything. So, yeah. so what did you do while you were in the Army? What was your job? I was, uh, I was with the Corps of Engineers. I was what was referred to as a combat engineer. And uh, what I did in Vietnam was we would go out uh, and build uh, uh, fire bases, uh, base camps, artillery pads. Uh, uh, we would generally go out with a uh, platoon uh, of infantry 
they would set up perimeter and we would build whatever facility we were there to build. And then once it was built, then they took over and we left and went somewhere else. So we were, uh, uh, you know, it was in, in construction. Most of it was, was heavy equipment. We moved, uh, uh, we had a couple of uh, D7 dosers in addition to other equipment and everything. And uh, most of the time we trucked in. There was a few times that they uh, lifted the equipment in with a, with a helicopter. And, uh, and then they just set us down in the middle of nowhere and we built whatever it was we were supposed to build. What was the environment like? Were you always having to look over your shoulder? Did you have plenty of security all around watching you? Well, you never had enough security. You know, did it get hot a few times? Yes, it did. It got hot several times, as a matter of fact. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, but we, we, we did what we had to do, you know. And there was a time or two that uh, uh, it got just, just you know, I don't know how else to explain it, but it, just, it, it got really hot, mm -hmm. you know. But it was just, it was just, you know, part of the job. You know, you had you, you had the infantry there that was your security, and and, and they would uh, do what they had to do. You did what you had to do, and then, like I say, we would we would leave and go elsewhere, and and uh, they would they would take over the facility and everything. You think it's pretty amazing how you were 17 years old, and a lot of these guys were probably, if you're talking about infantry, kind of protecting that area while you're building, they're probably pretty young guys, too. 20 years old was old. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, pretty unless, unless you were a ranking officer, you know. The, uh -huh. the 20, 20 years old was, uh, um, was, was old. You know, most of us were, you know, I, was, I had turned 18 before I went to Nam. Uh, but most of us were 18, 19 years old. Like I say, if you were 20, you were getting on up in age and everything. How old were you? Experiment-wise, or experience-wise, when you came home, would you say? Forty? Fifty? Uh, <laughs> I felt that old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you, my situation was no different than anybody else. I don't mean to try to single me out, but you, you saw things, you did things, you experienced things that, that uh, un, un, uh, really, unless you've been in the military or whatever, you just can't imagine. Mm -hmm. you, know, uh, you know, fear... Is, is is something that, that, that there's degrees and levels of it and and the fear that you experience in a combat situation is is some of the ultimate fear yeah, yeah. wow I'm sure and, uh, and, and and of course the the, the whole thing uh, with fear is is whether you control it or it controls you and that and, and that makes a difference and you saw both. Oh yeah. Sure. Oh yes. Yes. I can honestly say, and, and it was it, 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 it was years and years and years before I would ever admit this beyond myself. There was one particular time in my life I wanted to run. I wanted to do, just just turn tail and run. I was that scared. And and the only I can honestly say the only re there, there's two reasons why I didn't do it. One, I didn't know which way to run. <laughs> and two, there were some other people there with me that that, that that I couldn't do it to them because they wasn't doing it to me. Yeah, you know, and that was that, that was it and everything. Uh, I think it was uh, Colonel Boynton, if I'm saying his name right, of, of the Black Sheep fame. I'm sure you've probably seen the TV show Black Sheep, but I think it was him that said that combat is hours and hours of boredom 
interrupted by a few minutes of sheer terror. And, 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 and I think it was him that said that. But anyhow, mm. whoever said it, uh, that was, that's, a, that, that's a very good description of it and everything. Yeah. Well, that's what, you know, the, one of my brother's teammates told me that just a few hours before my brother was killed is he said, you know, we were almost bored. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they had had some active days, but there's a lull. Sure. And, yeah, it's crazy how, how quickly yeah. it'll change. Yeah. And it, it makes you realize training, how important training is, because when, when, when it got deep, uh, you, you, you did, you just reacted is all you did. You know, you didn't think about it, you just reacted. And you reacted based on your training. Yeah. You know, so, so you know, that's the only way I can explain it. I didn't do anything uh, that I personally felt like I did. I did what I was trained to do. I did it, you know, just, you know, I was too scared to think. I just, <laughs> you know. Well, how, before we get into Project Patriot Bikes more, how did your your training and just your experience in the Army and in Vietnam help you in your life afterwards? I, I think it, it gives you a better perspective on reality. And I don't mean to get too philosophical here and everything, but... Uh, you, you, you realize that a lot of the problems in life are not that serious. You know, you've, you, you, you've, seen, you, you've seen humans at their worst. You've, you've waded into the middle of, of, of death, I guess is the way of putting it. And, uh, and you realize that, you know, whether your coffee's too hot or too cold tomorrow morning or whether you have that cup of coffee or not, that's that's not all that important and everything. So it just gives you a better perspective on life. So. Okay, makes sense. So your bike over here, one of yours on the front of it has, look, we're going to shift to Project Patriot okay. bikes now. Right. So you've got um, a cemetery, and you've got several different locations, mm-hmm. names on there. What are those for? Well, the, the, there's actually three rows of, of crosses that are marked. And, and like you said, they have locations. Uh, the first row is uh, has uh, Baghdad and Fallujah on it, I believe. Um, that represents the Middle East, and, and my brother-in-law served there. Uh, the, the center uh, row of crosses has Iwo Jima and Normandy on it, which represents World War II. And my dad served in World War II. In fact, my dad was with the second wave uh, of, of troops that hit Normandy uh, on D-Day. He was not on the initial wave, but he was the second wave to go in, and uh, uh, and he. So he already knew how bad it was. He, he knew exactly how bad it was yeah. and everything. And then the third row of, of crosses has locations in Vietnam, places that either I have been or places that I figure other people would would represent. Mm-hmm. So that's what it is. It just it, it repre- it's a representation of my my family and their contribution to to the military and to this country and everything. And it's also uh, a, a representation or, or a way to say thank you to the, to the other people that has, you know, ha- has been involved, if not those exact locations, but uh, uh, in those different theaters of action and everything. Sure. What, what's been the reaction from people as you've driven around town and you've gone to different, you know, kind of events? What are people saying and reacting? Well, the, the, the reaction is, is, is phenomenal. 
Uh, in fact, I built the first bike just because I wanted to build a patriotic bike. Uh, it predates Project Patriot Bike. But I built it, and the reaction that I would get when I would, you know, I'd, I'd go down the interstate and cars would run along beside me taking pictures. Kind of made me nervous at first. <laughs> I, I actually got used to it after a while. But uh, I'd stop at, a, you know, maybe a service station or a restaurant or whatever, and people would come up to me and just start talking. And, uh, you know, of course, initially they would, you know, mention the, oh, hey, it's a good-looking bike, nice bike, you know, this and that. But eventually the conversation would get around to, you know, themselves. Maybe they were in the military or they knew somebody or they, you know, brother, dad, sister, mom, whatever. And they would, what, they would start sharing stories with me, some of them kind of personal. And I was just, just so honored that, uh, that, that, that they would share that with me. And, and, and it all started because of the bike. You know, it was just the bike is what caused it all. So that's what got me to thinking about Project Patriot Bike. You know, if, if stopping at a service station can generate this kind of attention, why don't I, I, I start doing this as an exhibit? You know, going to different events, uh, and, and, and I call it part of our uh, uh, veteran appreciation program. And that's what it is. It allows us not only to talk to people maybe that has experienced some of the things we've experienced, but it also allows us to talk with people and, and explain to them what the, what the bike represents. You know, the, it represents uh, uh, the freedoms and the liberties that we have in this country. And we have those because of the people that has served and so many of them that has, has given their life and everything. Yeah, so it's amazing. Uh, a bike can make people feel like they can open up to you and tell you things they maybe they've never talked about or haven't mm -hmm. talked about in a long time, but to a complete stranger. <laughs> That's true, and, and and I was just amazed with it. But you know, it, I have tried to kind of kind of analyze it, you know, to figure it out. And I think part of it has to do with in in this country, especially a motorcycle. Whether you ride a motorcycle or not, it's kind of an icon of freedom. You know, the wind in your hair, you know, going down the road, no cares and everything. So I think just the motorcycle itself represents a certain freedom. And then when you you have it uh, looking as, as these bikes are, as patriotic as they are, then it brings in a patriotic theme to go with the freedom. And, and that's what it's all about is, 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 again, the freedoms and the liberties that we have in this country and the price that had to be paid for, or that is being paid for us to have this. Mm -hmm. So what is patriotism to you, and what is a, what is a patriot? Patriotism is defined as love for your country. But if you're going to define patriotism, you, you have to kind of define what's a country. You, you know, a, a country is, is, is in a way defined by its borders. You know, the United States, we've got Canada to our north, Mexico to our south, uh, the Atlantic, the Pacific Ocean. That defines our country's landmass, but it doesn't really define the country itself. Uh, the country, uh, from a patriotism standpoint, is it's it, it's a mindset it's it, it's a um uh way of life and, and and that mindset and that way of life it's defined by the liberties and the freedoms we have so when you start talking about 
patriotism and you know it's a love for the country but it's a love not for the landmass of the country but, but but the country and the lifestyle that you have yeah and all that's brought on again by the liberties and freedoms that we have so a patriot wouldn't blindly defend his country i mean he's because it's the it's the it's the freedom and liberty that he's loving and if you've got people wanting to take that away where you're just not going to blindly okay well this is my country so i'm going to follow them no matter what they do that's what you're saying exactly exactly yeah i mean i guess that'd be like a nationalist or you can Mm -hmm. call that something else maybe but well see going a, 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 a step further uh you know the flag is a big part of these bites because they you know uh of the way they're painted and everything and uh, I'm always, well, it would, I, I'm always irritated if I see anybody burning a flag. It, you know, it just really upsets me. But if you think about it for a minute, the flag does not represent a government. It does not represent a political party. It does not represent an individual. The flag is symbolic of our liberties and freedoms. So in your protest, if you burn the flag, you're actually burning the very thing that is symbolic to the freedom you have to protest. So to me, it's kind of like burning your house down because you're mad at the, at the power company or the gas company or the water company. <laughs> you know, it, it really does not make sense because, again, the flag does not represent. If you're mad at the government, fine, you know, protest it. If you're mad at the, the, the president or the dog catcher or whatever, you know, you, you've got a right to protest it. But burning the flag just does not in any way follow your protest because that's what that's symbolic of the freedom that you have to protest. Yeah. So, anyhow. Well, I, a few days after my brother Mark was killed, we were in a, there was a lot of, over a week's period of time from his death to when we had the funeral. So there's a lot of things going on, and a lot of his teammates were with us. And so we were going to a memorial event at uh, our high school. And we were still, we you know, had caught the word that the, that um, the protesters were coming mm-hmm. from from the, the organization out in Kansas, and they, of course they say they're coming to everything. They don't always show up, yeah. and I think they'd be very they're they're idiots anyway. But to show up in a small town in, in Alabama, I think would be really dumb. Mm-hmm. But anyway, of course this is a very sensitive time for us. This period of time right after the death, yeah. and so we're pretty emotional. And I remember sitting in the van with several of his teammates, and these are guys that have just come back from being downrange, been deployed many times. And I said, why, why would they even do that? How can they do that? And uh, I, I, was kind of, I was pretty mad, and, and they, one of the guys, the, the chief, calmly said, well, you know, we fight for people like them, too, to have mm-hmm. that freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, it, 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 it's one of those things that, that just because you can don't mean you should. Mm. You, know, you know, yeah, granted, you have the, you know, the liberty and the freedom to do such and such. But just, you know, but just because you can don't mean you should. Yeah. yeah. Well said. Yeah. Well, so what, what is next for Project Patriot Bikes? Or what's your vision? Well, my vision is a couple of things. Long term, I have these two bikes. Uh, one of them I, I, I refer to as uh, Old Glory. It's it's the one that's, that's painted up flag from front to back. And the other one I refer to is the Eagle. It's the one that has the Eagle painted on the tank and everything. Uh, I would love to have, at some point, a bike to represent each branch of the military. The Army, the Navy, the Air Force, Marines, 
and as my neighbor pointed out to me the other day, who, who served in the Coast Guard, the Coast <laughs> yeah. Guard also, you know. So, so yeah, uh, I would love to have that. You know, now whether I ever accomplish it because it's a it's a pretty good, uh, pretty substantial financial investment, you know, uh, to do these bikes and everything. But in the meantime, uh, we're going to continue to do events uh, and 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 meet with people, talk with people, uh, uh, and you know, just try to again uh, help them understand and appreciate the freedoms and the liberties that we have. I'm not saying that, uh, that all the people don't, you know. Mm-hmm. I learn a lot from them is also, you know. But it, it just it's just a forum for them to uh, uh, to express yourself. And you've got a flag program. Can you explain that? Yeah, the flag program uh, is, is really an idea that I have had for uh, uh, practically all of my adult life. I used to travel before I retired. And, uh, and and I traveled a pretty good area uh, uh, of the country, but most of it driving. And I would see flags flying at different businesses and everything. And and a lot of times you would see a uh, a tattered flag at a, at a business. And I would think, I wish there was some way I could could you know replace that flag. So when I when we kicked Project Patriot Mike off, I, I felt like that was the perfect opportunity. And what we do is we challenge the public. That if you see a business that's flying a flag that is tattered, worn, or whatever, if you will take a picture of it and email that picture to us, um, along with the name of the business and their mailing address, we will send them a letter, first off, thanking them for, for flying the flag. Yeah. You know, we appreciate what they're doing. And, uh, and then we will send them a complimentary 3x5 flag to replace the flag that they have, along with uh, instructions on the proper way to dispose of their flag. Uh, and, and that program it has been fairly successful. It, it, you know, I really, uh, it just really pleases me when I drive by a business and I look up and I see a flag that I know that we have sent them. And that they graciously, you know, put it up and everything. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a, a, a lot of businesses, I don't think anybody intentionally flies a, a tattered flag. It's just, it's one of those things where, you know, they come to work every day, they walk past that flag every day, and eventually they just get to where they don't notice it. Yep. Whereas, you know, when you or I see it for the first time, you know, we notice it right off. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a case where they just don't realize it, and then once somebody brings it to their attention then, you know, they, they're, they're quick to, to change it out and everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that I would never let that happen in my house. But, mm-hmm. shoot, a few years ago, my mom said, she came to visit, she said, Dad, you need to replace that flag. Yeah. It's sitting right by my front door. I don't go through the front door every day, but it's on the front of my house. Yeah. And I realized it wasn't it wasn't tattered, but it was dingy. It was yeah. getting, it was, it was not as wide as it needed to be. Exactly. And, and like you say, you, you, you know, you just, in, in a way, you kind of take it for granted, which which, again, in a way, is a good thing that you take it for granted because of what it represents. But at the same time, by taking uh, taking it for granted, you fail to see its slight decline and everything. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. yeah. Like I say, we've been we've been very successful in in, in sending these flags out. You know, again, uh, we don't send a letter uh, that's in any way condescending. You know, we thank them for you know having a flagpole for flying the flag. 
uh, and and we sent them a complimentary flag, and they uh, they put it up, and you know, it just tickles us. That's a great program. I've I've heard of people doing that. One of my friends does that just on his own. He'll drop by business and say, mm-hmm. "Hey, you want to replace your flag? I got one for you." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So you've got your website. You're a five hundred one c three nonprofit. Five hundred one c three nonprofit. Yeah. And what you and I talked about how. It's tough to be a to kind of market your organization mm-hmm. or yourself, and you don't want people to ever feel like, oh, here, you know, here comes Terry, here comes that. He's going to be asking for something. Yeah. So, what do you do? <laughs> well, you know, uh, there's a a business side to everything, uh, or, or most things, anyhow. And there is a business side to running a a nonprofit, and that is. You know, trying to maintain a, a a revenue stream of some sort, and of course, a revenue stream is it's donations. We we rely one hundred percent on donations from the private and public sector. Uh, nobody draws a salary. You know, it everything every dime that we collect goes back into it, uh, uh, maintaining the equipment, traveling, and such as that. But uh, we, you know, we, you, you hear a, a, a lot of, about these larger charities, and I'm not criticizing them or, or anything. But you know, where the, the 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 president, CEO, you know, draws his big salary and everything. I'm not getting into that. You know, uh, people got to make a living. But you know, in our little operation, there is no salaries or anything like this. So, but we do have to, uh, you know, solicit donations and and market what we're doing. And we do that uh, from our website and the literature that we uh, that we give out and everything. You know, has the information mm-hmm. on it. If you're so inclined, you want to donate. And uh, and and what what one thing I do stress to people is, you know, donations. The foundation of of our donations are the ten, fifteen, twenty dollar donations that we get from individuals. You know, that's what makes up the bulk of it. You know, every now and then you might get a corporate. Uh, 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 check or whatever, but 99 and 9 tenths percent of our donations are from just individuals that will, you know, either go to our website and, and make a donation or mail us a check or whatever, you know, so, and it can be done uh, either way. But, yeah, there, there is that business side of it, uh, but, but um, uh, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that, we, you know, we, we have to um, address. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. And, and we'll have a link in the show notes to projectpatriotbox.org. So, well, listeners, so please go check him out and see what, what good he's doing. Yep. Uh, anything else, Terry, that you want to share with us? Oh, no, I really can't think of anything right offhand. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I appreciate what uh, Sheepdog's uh, doing, allowing us, you know, to be here. Got a beautiful facility. Oh, yeah. Uh, I want to check out the range for, before I leave, but, yeah. Uh, it's you know I appreciate what you're doing, uh, your foundation, and I appreciate you know Sheepdog having us here and everything. So. Yeah, so anybody in the area come out to Sheepdog Firearms in Trustville, yeah, Alabama. It is a very impressive place. It's been open for a few months, and good folks here. Let's just look think about the college age students. It's not just them, but they're kind of the ones that get a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, with their you know you see so much at least what the media focuses on with their you know, being a lot more sensitive, they got their safe spaces, and they don't seem to appreciate our military or even understand the history of our country at all. Uh, what, what, what are some of your thoughts on that? <laughs> we could do a whole segment on that one. Uh, 
I think it's 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 a situation to where they they as in uh, uh, some of your your colleges and campuses and everything are not dealing with reality, and at some point life is going to kick them pretty hard. Uh, again, I don't even know where to get started on this thing. Uh, that's okay. I don't, you don't. You don't have to. Yeah. Don't have to. Well, like I say, they uh, they just fail to deal with reality, uh, and 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 it's we're to blame. The the administrators and whatever of the colleges, they need to be adults. These the, these kids that are going to school are kids. They need to be taught uh, instead of just let uh, uh, run wild. Because again, they don't know what's out there. They don't know what life has to offer. You know, everything is not roses, and you don't get a trophy every day for getting up and, and this and that, whatever. You know, uh, so so I think our our academia is doing a, a horrible job of teaching these children about life and and and, and such. And I, and I think down the road, it's gonna it, it's gonna come back to bite them in, in, in such a manner that it may come back and bite us all as a country. Yeah. And that bothers me. Yeah, sure. You know, these are our future presidents and, and senators and congressmen and, and whatever, you know. Yeah, we already have plenty right now that are that are in Washington that have never worked a, a what I say, a real job a day in their life. Yeah. We don't need to keep continue that trend. I agree. I agree. Well, it's been a pleasure, and I appreciate you. Uh, you know, you served our country voluntarily, and you know, and even the guys that that were, that dra- were drafted, regardless, that is a, you know, that's just something that I could never understand fully. But I, I have a deep, deep appreciation for everyone who serves our country and and volunteers or chooses to fight evil. So thank you very much, and you, I know it's been a while since you've actively, you know, since you put on the, the uniform as an active member of the army but uh i, I know it, uh, it overall it was a great experience for you and there's definitely downsides to it but it's, my, it's positive my grandfather used to say that there's an upside and a downside to everything you know and uh, uh so yeah you know my experience in the military there's an upside and downside to it you know, but you know, that's that's life yeah yeah and thank you for for having me i enjoyed it and uh Wish you all the best. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir.